Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom is built for your psychology and your biology, meeting you where you are. Noom Weight uses psychology. That's why they say losing weight starts with your brain. But it also takes into account your unique biological factors, which also affect weight loss success. The program helps you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have cravings. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Plus, check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available for pre-order wherever books are sold. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 263. Uh, This is a super fun episode, which uh, took a little bit longer to get up because it's kind of a musical episode. Well, not kind of. It is a musical episode. And and so we uh, just spent a little more time kind of editing it together and making sure it was mixed and and, and all that stuff. Um, My pal Sarah Watkins, whom I've adored for years and years and years, huge Nickel Creek fan, we had her on the Craig Ferguson episode in the first year of the podcast. Uh, and she, just she did such an amazing job. Craig ended up having her on the um, his show, and uh, and it was uh, and our and our fans of the podcast really really seemed to enjoy Sarah Watkins. And for those who hadn't heard of her before, like who is this amazing uh, talented songstress? And so this year, Sarah released a new album called Sun Midnight Sun, which is amazing. Um, you definitely feel the sort of growth from the last album to this one, I think. And um, and so I said, hey, let's do sort of like a storytellers episode where we all go into a studio. You know, we'll talk. You play a song. We'll talk some more. You play a song just to try it and see. You know, like see see how it goes. And it was amazing. We had um, I had Paul of Tompkins sit in uh, with us because. Uh, he knows the the Watkins really well and wanted to have him on. And then uh, we had a small grouping of people there to watch, like Acker and Blacker were there, and Chloe was there, and a few other people. And then Kate Micucci, who then came and sat and talked to us a little bit about uh, you know music and comedy, and just sort of joined the conversation. And it was a it was super 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 fun. And it ended with a uh, with a kind of a surprise uh, performance that uh, Sarah Watkins had put together with her her brother Sean. Uh, so it was a really really fun way to end the podcast. So here we go, the Nerds Podcast. This is uh, episode number 263 with Sarah Watkins. I'd like to thank uh, Amazon.com for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you go to this podcast page, click the Amazon banner and shop as you normally would, you will support the Nerdist podcast. Oh, also, by the way, um, I think it's appropriate to say that I will be performing in Nashville uh, at Zany's the beginning of December. My Comedy Central special airs November 10th, so I have to put together new material. So I'm going I'm to go back out on the road for a bit and, and assemble a new hour, and so I would love for you to be a part of that so um yeah early in december i'll be at zany's in nashville and there's some other dates coming up so so that's that and here it is the nerds podcast episode number 263 with the wonderful sarah watkins now entering nerdist.com 
We are recording at uh, Bedrock Studios in Los Angeles. Um, this is a special Sarah Watkins podcast. Um, Why do all of our shows start with you saying we are recording? <laughs> Well, so because I want to let everyone know what's happening, Matt. Okay. Do you know why? Right. For future no, no, no. generations. I just, I just need. I was just curious. I'm sorry. Yeah. I've just. I've been at 200 of these now. <laughs> Eric, my voice is heavily oh, echoed. Is oh, that no. just in my headphones, or is that? Oh, great. Oh no. Is that going to pick up in the in the actual recording of the show? Oh, nice. Okay. Lying. Great. 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 Uh, so we're here with a room full of people. Who can all make a little bit of noise if you want to prove that there's... It's the saddest. One, two, three. Oh, oh sir. Boo. Sir. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, great. So uh, Sarah's here and... Chris now has to count everyone in the room before he can speak. Oh, shoot. I'm a little OCD that way. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay. I have to do that ten times. Got to be ten every time. And then square that by okay. two. You uh, forgot to count the band. Oh, fucking ruined everything, Matt. Now I'm going to start over. I think I didn't over. notice. <laughs> uh, great. So, Sarah Watkins, do you want to uh, kick it off with a song and then and then we'll chat? Sure. Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Watkins. I remember the night. I remember the sound. I'm 
remember the night I remember the sound I remember the light When the moon came around The night flowers bloomed The air so sweet I remember you I remember me I remember you I woo at you, Sarah Watkins. This is the most awkward position to watch someone perform from. <laughs> it almost sitting at a table <laughs> well, with a microphone. Yeah, let me just try to paint the picture here. We're sitting at a table like we're judging a fucking reality show. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and I apologize for that. But it was the easiest way to sort of like, oh, we can get you to play. And then I invited a bunch of people. Paul F. Tompkins is here. Oh, hi. Paul M. Tompkins. Oh, not really. Oh, a, thanks, oh. some of you. God. These L.A. crowds. That was horrible. Uh, Paul, let me, here, I'll, I'll do warm-up for you. Come on, guys, you can do better than that. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul F. Tompkins is Yay. Boo. Who's booing? You are. Yeah, I know. You're self-destructive. <laughs> You're self-destructive. There's the proof right there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wanted Paul. I wanted you to, to be on the show because you've done a lot of the Watkins Family Hour uh, shows at Largo. It's true. We have performed together many, many times. And when was this going back to the old Largo as well? This goes back to the old Largo. Oh yes. Uh, I've been on their show. They've been on my show. Now you're both on my show. Yeah. It's pretty weird uh, will the way the it works. Will the circle be unbroken? I don't know. Matt, have you been on either of their shows? No. Oh, this is awkward. <sighs> take a powder. Yeah, I will. <laughs> take a powder. Uh, but sir, we had you on. Take a, take a powder? Yeah, like take, like like take. It's like an old thirties thing. Like yeah, take a powder. Thirties, like, <laughs> specifically the thirties was when. It's, yeah, it's a thing you say. Like in a powder your 30s. break? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, uh, I meant seventeen thirties. Take thy powder. Yeah, because everybody had those wigs. No one said yeah. thy in the seventeen thirties. Sure, some of them did. Nope, they didn't. Some yeah, they of them did. did. So there were some holdouts. Yeah, they were really. <laughs> Onto that. Yep. Perfectly good word. <laughs> I may do as I please. <laughs> I don't know why I must throw it away. Uh, you did one of our first live shows at Largo when we had the Craig Ferguson episode of the Nerdist Podcast. Was that one of your first ones? That was our second live show. And we had you as a musical guest, and you blew everyone away. And people who listened were like, holy fuck, Sarah Watkins. And um, and so now you got a new album. And so I want you to come on and uh, hang out. I really appreciate that. No, I, I still people will tweet me and and they'll tweet you as well in the same tweet and say, Wow, I heard you on the Nerdist and it's so great. And it's I, I had a lot of people Who would have thought a podcast? I know, right? Uh, I got, it was really nice. You're welcome. <laughs> that is not <laughs> I hadn't gotten around to <laughs> finishing that, but cool. So uh, you sent me the album maybe a month ago. And uh, yeah, and it was it was amazing. And we had talked about, you know, you said, oh, I kind of want to write this bio, but I want it to be, I want my bio to be weird and funny. And you know, do you want to you want to take a crack at writing this bio? And here's the album, and uh, and the album was, it was so different from from the is that, oh, uh, they'll clip that out. No, <laughs> the studio's haunted. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen that show, uh, Musical Ghost Hunters? 
Musical Ghost Hunters, I don't know why more people aren't watching it. <laughs> yeah. Because my problem with regular Ghost Hunters uh-huh. is I wish there was music. I mean, how do, they would hunt the ghosts with, they would trap the ghosts with music. Yeah. Because ghosts can't resist it. They can't. And that's how they, and the instruments would also be like uh, electro containment systems. That's right. Ghosts love to dance. <laughs> that's all they want. They waltz. Yeah. That's, that's right. A lot of waltz. Lot if, of you're, waltzing. if you've been in the Haunted Mansion at yeah. Disneyland, you know that they love to waltz. Yeah. It's like, would thy dance with me? (laughs) You've been using that for centuries. Just die already. Follow the light. There's room for one more. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But your new album, uh, Sun Midnight Sun, is so different than the Sarah Watkins, the first album. Yeah, it is. So what, and when we had lunch to sort of talk about, about your album, you... Talked about, you know, like, yeah, I turned 30 and then I was like, I just felt more comfortable with my. And so you kind of like, took this whole different direction. Yeah. The last couple of years, I've, I feel like more like a normal person where I'm just I'm still guessing at a lot of things. But I don't know. I just feel a lot more comfortable singing and touring and just doing everything and just uh, living life, I guess. And it's, it feels it's really nice. It's really comfortable i feel like i don't I know mean, sometimes i still have anxiety attacks but oh aren't those the best awesome you know like when so someone's fun. just standing on your chest there's just a there's just a ghost standing on your chest waltzing yeah what a ghost in this <laughs> yeah that's what i well i was trying to bring it back to ghosts uh but you feel a lot more comfortable now like you yeah feel like and, a lot and of I, I wanted to do something different and so i uh raped wrote <laughs> what did you rape? i rigged an election oh my I god raped, is that how now my friend blake mills <laughs> <laughs> it must feel so what good happened? to say it out loud. You know, it's kind of like a, a ghost has lift off my chest or something. A rape ghost is yeah. gone. Yeah. And you feel a lot better now. Um, yeah, so so that happened in <laughs> December. <laughs> is he okay? <laughs> Maybe you read about in the paper. He's probably fine. I don't know. We don't, we don't really talk anymore. <laughs> where that ghost blows Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Our yep. friendship kind of changed after that. <laughs> I would imagine. I about that. <laughs> well, but I want to say your husband Todd has been amazing about it. <laughs> He's so, so understanding, forgiving, and like I get it. He's a know. modern guy. <laughs> he <really> is. <laughs> He's had it in the year before, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's say things we remember. That's always. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that yeah, so I I roped in my friend Blake Mills to produce it, and um, rope doesn't really help the whole. At <laughs> all, it's either. fine. It's fine. But anyway, we we made it, and uh, it was it was really fun. We did it here in L.A. in uh, Tony Berg's garage, really nice studio, and uh, it was great. Sean and and Blake and I, my brother Sean, who's playing guitar um, here, he hey, Sean um, Watkins. hey. <laughs> we uh, the proof of we, we did all the recording together, and it was it was super fun. So I, I mean, I know I know a lot of people who already are familiar with your work probably know this, but but just sort of give us a history of like you pretty much been playing music your entire life. Yeah, I grew up playing. Uh, when I was six, I started playing, f- taking fiddle lessons. Uh, when I was four, actually, my parents um, Sean was taking piano lessons, and his our teacher, his teacher, s- said you should go to this pizza parlor. And my son plays in a bluegrass band, so I was. I was two, and we we kind of grew up with this bluegrass, with these bluegrass fan group in San Diego. It was very small, but it felt gigantic. And uh, so we got to know the band. And when I was four, um, he I requested a song, "Long Black Veil." <laughs> Do you know it? No, it's, it's a I murder do. ballad. Very good. Yeah, Dave Matthews ghost. covered it. Oh, um, <laughs> so that's how he knows it. <laughs> he probably Johnny Cash. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I he start. They got me on stage when I was 
young and Sean was playing mandolin and guitar and our friend Chris Thiele. And then we eventually started a band when uh, Chris and I were eight and Sean was 12 on this just sort of fluke, played a bluegrass festival thing and our band contest. And then we just stayed together for 18 and a half years. Oh, wow. And then uh, that brought us to 2007 and uh, we basically had grown up together playing music. And then I um, I'd meant to put out a solo record for a long time, but just hadn't really had the focus. I didn't know what I wanted to play really or what I wanted to do. And um, and around like the time we decided to, to put the band on the shelf, I thought, well, I should probably figure this out. And <laughs> and then I put out the self-titled record, which was pretty um, comfortable. The material was really comfortable and really fun to play. But uh, this record has been even more fun because there's a little bit, it was, I don't know, I felt like I got a little kick in the pants a little bit to, uh, to do something different. And, and, uh, so that's why collaborating with, with especially Blake, who I didn't know very well at the time, um, relatively, uh, was really exciting because we were just kind of figured out what the other was bringing to the table while we were recording. And it was, it was really fun. Is it more important, do you think, to just want to play music and record music? Or do you feel like you have to have something to say if you're going to, when you make an album? It makes it more fun because uh, it, it, it lasts longer. Like you, for, for me, at least when, I, when I'm playing songs that I've written, even if I'm not in that same place for the years after while I'm performing it, at least it came from something specific at a time and I can remember that and identify with it and just acknowledge that it was a part of a part of me. And even with covers, if you identify with them strongly, they will last longer and and uh it makes it it makes it more fun to to play them after night after night rather than just here's another song that somebody wrote that I don't really care about that I'm gonna play again. You where know, where did Nickel Creek come in? Um well, that was Nickel Creek was the that was eighteen, the 18 and a half year years and a half band. Okay. Yeah, I didn't say that. Yeah, sorry. Oh, that's but okay. yeah, so that was Nickel Creek, and then and we um, we did a lot of touring and a lot of a lot of uh, yeah, we just grew up together. Do you even until I was twenty seven? Oh, you have to be careful about touching that; it'll pick I'm up sorry. on. The, oh, that's okay. This table, <laughs> the table will be sensitive. Michael, pick it up. I have one of those uh, records from when you guys were kids. It's like Little Cowpoke or something oh, like that. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Why do you have that one? Awesome. I was thinking about I, any of the other numbers. It was after I, after I met you guys and got into your music, and then I was just looking for stuff online, and I saw this. <laughs> the cover looked appealing? I could not, because I knew. I knew. The Larry This has to be from font? when they were kids. There's like a cartoon cow, yeah. and then... <laughs> oh, I can get behind that. <laughs> I it's, uh, and it's, it's adorable, because they're... Cl- listen to it. They're clear children but the but the but the the playing is still like unbelievable you know and i there was actually there was a, a trio that i saw on, on letterman like last year the year before of three young kids i saw that too yeah, yeah. and i thought of you guys and, but these guys those kids were even older than you guys were i think i don't know i mean yeah they they're pretty impressive and pretty i don't know how old they are but <laughs> poor sean uh, was 16 when we made that little cowpoke record, <laughs> <laughs> and we drove. <laughs> hey, little cowpoke! <laughs> we were. Um, I was 12, and uh, it was it was kind of a lesson in a commitment. Well, we had, we thought it was going to be. Uh, it's that lesson so. Commitment we all get. When we're I'm trying 12. to make yeah. this sound better with every fragment sentence, and it's just not starting. Of. <laughs> uh, Basically, we went through a cowboy phase, a cowboy music phase. We went to the Western Music Association in Old Tucson, 
Um, the Jimmy WMA and uh, OT? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the and William Morris Agency has an office in Tucson, <laughs> that's right? That's weird. In the OT. They made a bunch of Westerns there and everything, and there's, you know, yodeling contests and things. And so anyway, uh, we did that for a little bit. And so to cap it off, we decided to make this children's Western music record CD. And, uh, and then, like, halfway through the year-long process of weekends driving up to Los Angeles... Uh, we decided this is not at all what we wanted to do at all, and and uh, but it was our parents being like, no, you said you were going to do it, you're going to do it, so we had to do it. But poor Sean was 16 and then, like had to leave. I don't want to be a little. High cow- I just want to be a cowpoke. <laughs> He's like living this double life, like Maybe. Hannah Montana. Yeah, exactly. Except for like <laughs> not the, the, the secret life was unbelievably uncool. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you look a lot like little cowpoke, but nope. I guess that's not you. <laughs> not me. They're bolo ties. <laughs> is it? Um, uh, is, is, what does it feel like to sort of make the transition from you know when you're playing as a member of a group and then it's like, oh, it's just me now. Yeah, it was. You know what? Um, the Watkins Family Hour, which you mentioned, is this is this show that Sean and I have done at Largo for nine and a half years now. A podcast coming to the Nerdist Network. Yeah, we've recently be- started podcasting. Is there it. nothing you won't put on scoop. the network? Shut the fuck up, man! <laughs> You're gonna have all the podcasts. Pretty soon. yeah, I'm gonna have all the. Po- I'm gonna be iTunes. What is wrong with that? I aim high, Matt. It's fine. It's fine. I aim high. Very good. Thanks for putting out feed, by the way. Oh, good. You're welcome. <laughs> That's Matt's podcast. Yes, podcast way to plug that in. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have you. Oh, no. So, family, yeah, Family Hour was really helpful in that transition from the band because Sean and I would do it. Uh, the we would do this monthly show whenever we were off the road, and it was sort of this place just to try out songs that we wanted to play for fun and this low pressure gig. Um, from a very focused Nickel Creek, um, we would just kind of play songs that we liked, and uh, and it was really, really fun. and over the years, I became a lot more comfortable in just different settings and singing different songs. And that was really helpful, really, really helpful in in figuring out what I would want to do on a solo record and how I want to behave on stage when it's a different setting. And when, because um, everything that I did was, it was standing on stage right with uh, Sean and Chris next to me. <laughs> and it was always just like this, the momentum of the band was, it was hard to... Uh, I didn't recognize it at the time necessarily, but when it was gone, I was like, oh, wow, where's, where's all that momentum that <laughs> my friends aren't here? Uh, but Sean comes out with me a lot on the road, which is more than more helpful than I could say. And, and Tyler Chester, who's playing basses, has been out, and um, it's pretty... I'm not really alone. I have a, I have a good team of people. Oh, I'm not really alone. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. No, don't, don't, no anxiety. You're fine. You're fine. Look, you're surrounded by friends. Um, and of course, ghosts. <laughs> Always. Always ghosts. They're waltzing around us. Well, ghosts waltz around us is my new book. Um, <laughs> Joining us today, author of Ghosts Waltzing Around Us, Christopher Hardwick. It is true. I become Why do you have that excellent <laughs> uh, Because I, uh, I have to talk like this to Simon the Ghost. Well, when you were writing your book, did you write it in the accent? Yes. Uh, they ghosts love the television show Perfect Strangers. Your <laughs> <laughs> accent's changing right now. <laughs> As you've thought of that reference, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when I listened to this the, to the second album, uh, "Sun Midnight Sun," it just—I don't know—it like you really you kind of grab the listener and just fucking shake them. Like you just—it you, really grabs you in a, in a really big Thanks. way. 
and it, it's it's super it's a it's a pretty bold sounding album like right off the bat sweet that's um, great is there do you, would you play another song yes 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 we will okay uh, let's figure out what that will be. <clears throat> okay. And I will, I will head over to the station. While you're doing that, I will talk about the ghosts that waltz among us. It's a, f- it's a, 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 f- a three, three time. Uh, no, it's the three, first three time novel. Three, three time in the time signature. And it's the, the first book to be written in a phonetic accent. Is that correct? It's in a phonetic accent. The letters are invisible to the living. People are very mad about this book. There's been, you know, it's it's a bold choice when your when your goal is to stall while people are setting up instruments. Why is the book seventy five dollars? That seems steep. Is the audio book maybe to you, but to the undead, what are they going to do with money? Uh, Good point. Interview concluded. <laughs> <laughs> Their currency is ectoplasm. Thank you for joining us, Christopher Hardwick. Author of the record. There are three cover songs. <laughs> yes, it is. Everything is. <laughs> it's a podcast. <laughs> what are you going to play? Probably. Oh, he's friends with uh, with your buddy uh, um, uh, Dave uh, Matthews. Oh my god! Right? Aren't they pals? I don't know. Are they? I don't know everything this about them. Like I know be. a lot of things about him, but not. I was just mm, informed. His dad died when he was ten. <laughs> Moved to Virginia. Uh, forget it. That's another podcast. What's uh, what song are you gonna play? What's it called? This is called. All right. This is um. With the capo. Wow. This is one that um, kind of under underwent quite a change. I Sean showed me this song when he was uh, playing on a demo with of Dan Wilson's, and he he brought it home and uh, or back to my place, and um, we kind of stole it. But Dan Dan came by the studio and, and said it was okay after afterwards, which was nice. Well, I guess it's fine now. When it pleases you You want me When it's easy to do You hold me When you don't want anybody else to You love me When it pleases you Want to hear 
by a voice whisper in your voicemail's ear. I think of you at the strangest times. You got me in the back of your mind.
You, know, you never want to clap at the wrong time where you clap and then they're not done. Oh, it's like, oh, that man. has happened to me before. Oh, that shit. Happened <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at the old Largo one time, Ricky Lee Jones was, uh, she uh, did like an impromptu set at one of John Bryan's shows. She's playing the song on the piano and it's like a very quiet song. And then the end of the song, she hits a note on the piano and like it rings out and like, I thought it was over, but it wasn't over yet. And so I started clapping, and people... Just to get that first clap in. Not to get the first... It's always Come on. That Come on. Sell that guy. Come on. Look, it's true. I love to win. I like to... Here's the thing. If you get in first with your claps, everyone in the audience knows who is the alpha male. You're an alpha clapper. I'm an alpha clapper. That's what they tell you if you take any of those airport uh, Marriott seminars on, right. on how to how to win things. That's right. They're like, you, we've all seen those. Look, we've rule all seen one those. clap first. Well done. You're listening. We've all seen those posters in the lobby of the airport Marriott. How to, how to win things. Oh, what is that all about? I'm gonna check it out one of these days. Interference by the author of Waltzing with Ghosts, Christopher. <laughs> Guys, I'm not here to talk to ghosts in a European accent today. Uh, Sarah, what's so much fun about watching you perform is that since most people aren't, I mean, well, most people, no one else is watching this with their eyes. They're listening to it. There is. You're, you're playing percussion at the same time. And yeah, well, there's a few people here. They don't count. Um, they are, it's too late for that. <laughs> um, you're playing percussion, but you're also, you have the fiddle as well. Yeah. And it's a crazy balancing act between like. Well, it's not supposed to be crazy. It's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is nuts. <laughs> but it, it's like. It was a little crazy just now. Because I, I love why, like you set the violin down, but you have to set it down so you can get back up and sing and then grab the sticks. Just and bring the right stand. And so, yeah. And then I, I kept bonking the the. the drum with my bow arm. Can I make a suggestion? Yes, please. Paul, what would you do? You need those one-man band knee cymbals. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Haven't you ever seen Arthur Nakane, the one-man band? <laughs> I, who? <laughs> the elderly Asian gentleman who plays in the Santa Monica uh, on Third Street Promenade. No, I, I've not seen, He's, I've seen... I've seen one-man bands, of course. Yeah. Wait, what's his name? Arthur Nakane, the one-man band. The I've ghost of the of Santa him. Monica one-man band. <laughs> You know he's not alive, right? Oh, what? Yeah. So you guys aren't seeing him too? No, he died many years ago on a night just like this. <laughs> oh my god, I better write this down do for my next to, book. Do ghosts have to play ghost instruments, or do they play ghost, real ghost instruments? No, they can well, manipulate real but the instruments have to die near them at the <laughs> yes. same time. So, so while they're, they're dying, limited. someone has to smash a violin. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so they get a ghost Is violin. There some kind of special code that only they can play it though. Because what about all the instruments that die that? died near other ghosts. Can well, they... You can get those in Ghost Guitar Center. <laughs> <laughs> I hear they're having a ghostly sale this it's week. A ghostly President's Day sale. <laughs> <laughs> or the actual presidents will come in. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> what do you feel like, you know, what do you feel like it is that you're saying uh, in this album specifically? What do you want people to get out of it besides just, hey, that's really nice music to listen to? <laughs> I'm sorry. They just turned on... They just turned on the tiniest disco ball <laughs> that you've ever seen. I or is it really no, it, far away? My apologies. My apologies if that is in the sky. That is kind of odd now. There is way the ceilings are very high. There is Was I, it all this talk of ghosts? I, I think someone scale a wall. wall. Let me let me let me I take a photo. I think what could only be described as the Billy Barty of disco balls. <laughs> oh. Matt, with you for scale. Oh, yes. Oh, I throw all scale off. <laughs> that is a tiny disco ball, and now there is a... I'm holding it. 
the disco ball is spinning and there are colored there's a colored light show happening. I'm hypnotized. Yeah, uh, almost for no God for no it, real distracting. for no real reason that I can, Just that don't I look can at think it. of. But what do you want people to <laughs> think when they listen to your album? Do you want them to think uh, spinning disco ball? Please. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little one. What is it that what uh, is it you know, I just uh I, I, I hope that it sounds um I hope that it sounds fun and I hope that it that there's a little bit of grit to it. Uh and I hope that uh you know, I hope that the, the lyrics are um seem conv- like I hope it sounds convincing, like I meant it because I did. And I and I and I uh I had a lot of I had a really good time making it and and not only just a good time like it was kind of uncomfortable at certain times because it was it, it was it's, it is a little different for me but um but it was also really exciting because of that you know I didn't want it to sound the same so I had to do things that weren't in my normal mm-hmm. patterns you know what I mean and sometimes that I guess that makes it a little bit more satisfying to listen to for me and I hope that it makes it more exciting for other people to listen to. So what are you in the are you in the like the radio game or are, is there any sort of uh I don't think d- they let me play that game. I don't think that I'm invited at that table. Uh, mostly it's just uh I think just shows and people talking about stuff. There is a little bit there's some AAA stations which play um more folky artists or or thing or bands that maybe used to be popular or um are less uh, top 40 sounding and, what is, and I'm, those i'm sorry what is a triple a station triple a station um i don't know that there is one in los angeles but npr stations are, would be the closest thing to a triple a station like kcrw um and uh they're they're across the country and they just have a they have a, a really broad listenership it's it's um but but much smaller than mainstream mm-hmm. um and those people like nickel creek actually uh, had a instrumental hit on triple a radio <laughs> <laughs> and and <laughs> it was only instrumental but like instrumentals can conceivably uh be played on the radio on triple a stations like classic college gas. stations sometimes are triple a like just mm. alternative things that aren't too scary do, do a lot of do you think a lot of I, i'm i love bluegrass music i lo- love bluegrass i love the shit out of it but I, but i also see and you play it a little a little yeah. I'm, not, I'm a little bit a little bit <laughs> It's I want to I want to play more of it. It's just it's just a fun it's just a fun genre of music. But yeah. I also feel like the term bluegrass is very it's pretty loose now because mm-hmm. it just bleeds. It really is it's a standalone genre, but it also I feel like can find its way into other genres like like flavors of it. Yeah, 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 totally. And and a lot of people there are there are some people who are real sticklers for the bluegrass rules. And we grew up like in Southern California. Bluegrass is not nearly as strict as it is in other parts of the country. Sure, because it's just further away from the source, which is Kentucky, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but you know, a lot of people add banjo to their band, and a listener might say, "Oh, they sound kind of bluegrassy because they hear a banjo or a mandolin or something," and um, and they might it, the band might sound bluegrassy, but. There are other people who, you know, if you stick in two extra chords into the form or change it up a little bit, it's not included in bluegrass. Wow. It's not. And of course, ape shall not kill ape is one of the <laughs> mm, one of the biggest bluegrass rules. Yep. Right. 
I think in some parts of the country, yes. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, is that I'll right? right. I'll have to check. Yeah. Check the book on that one. In the more ape populated parts yes. of the country. Yeah. San Francisco. I don't want to alarm you guys. Where evolved to play. Uh, I, don't alar- I don't want to alarm you guys. Um, this is actually Planet Earth. Were you? The, not this whole time. No. The entire time it's been Planet what? Earth. What? Yeah. Yep. Wait, the whole time since the podcast began? or Just forever. Like you came to this planet thinking that it was another thing. You sons of bitches. But it was actually planet Earth the entire time. Well, there you go. Caesar is home. <laughs> um, your second song on the album was, was, is pretty, uh, it's a pretty remarkable song, too. Um, the, is it The One I Want or You're the One I Want? Oh, that's the third song. You're the, the one I, yeah, You're the One I Love. It's an Everly Brothers song. The One I Want. That's fucking Greece. <laughs> you know how when you were in Greece? It's true. Yeah, <laughs> and you played Sandy. Uh-huh. Um, that that song is uh, that song surprised me <laughs> in a good way. Good. And I think I heard a Fiona Apple in the background. You of certainly that song. did. Yeah, not in the background, in the foreground. She and I are singing. Uh, at least I hope she's in the foreground. He's got bad speakers. What do you mean speakers oh, plural? It's a it's a I straight up speaker. <laughs> no, we don't. Yeah, you don't. You don't need two. What? Oh my god! I better go back and re-listen to every I old. Have, it makes album. a difference. I have this fantasy. I haven't talked to Fiona about this yet, but um, I have this fantasy of making a video for that song, where we're both riding horses really fast, chasing each other. <laughs> Think you haven't heard the song yet, never. Paul? I no, but I've I know Fiona Apple. That's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about texting her and asking if she she rides horses and. I'm sure she does. I mean, Start I sure she does. I Start with, do you like horses? And she's going to say yes. And be like, I, could, I can't figure it any other way. I've thought about different ways of doing this, but I, I think we have to actually ride our, each our own, our own horse. I don't see why she wouldn't do it. Would you settle for a mechanical horse in front of a rolling background? No. Okay. I'm just checking. Would you s- cost effective here? Mm. <laughs> so anyway, that's, 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 uh, <laughs> that's my goal <laughs> is to get Fiona Apple to ride a horse with you in a video no no but like like I'm chasing her or she's chasing me but yes a horse chase yeah you guys could chase each other because they're uh, you know we you could go we could be in a circle at equidistance <laughs> and you don't know who's chasing who oh <laughs> wait a minute Maybe. I should not have gotten high before that <laughs> 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 thought it would be cool, right? <laughs> I thought it would be so cool. I mean, you didn't, you didn't think there would be any weird existential horse conversations or happening. Tiny disco ball. I'm just glad I got or, that note in my pocket with my name and address. Or ghost books. <laughs> or dead instruments being played. Right. Yes, yeah, really. Boy, when you pile it up like that, I'm having a really hard time. <laughs> what other songs do you, uh, do you do you guys? I want you to be able to play a bunch of songs. All right, tonight. all right, all right. So we'll do uh, we'll do another one then. Um, we will do, uh, shoot, we can do Lock and Key. Mm. Want to do that one? This is a, um, this is a song that I, I, I co-wrote with my friend Jenny Ann. I, I couldn't finish it lyrically. I was just sort of stuck on it. And, um, and she helped me on, via email. And, uh, and then a bunch of other friends helped with the music and stuff. But um, this is, uh, yeah, yeah. So. Anyway. All right. It's called Lock and Key. There she goes. Come to the mic. Oh, please don't fall. Please don't fall. I'm moving the drum. <laughs> That's a drum move. All right. Strike it. Strike the drum. Strike any drum move. Struck.
the most bluegrassy thing about this, um, the art, art live show this year will be all the tuning that we do. It's a very, it's a, <laughs> that's a big tr- tradition in bluegrass. There's a lot of a lot of tuning it's of a instruments. Lot of tuning. Is it because you're down like down tuning to different? No, we're just trying to stay in tune. Because you're trying to maintain. Hard. Huh? I don't know. It just is. I don't know. Because when you're jamming, no, your good. instruments come out of tune, right? Oh no, yeah. When you play bluegrass, you're you're pretty aggressively hitting the strings, and that will knock yeah, it out of tune. Hard. You play yeah. very hard. Yeah, that's why you're tuning. We're trying to. It's trying to make Sorry. an impact, and we don't have amps or anything, so we just have to. <laughs> I'm always like weirdly surprised when you pick up the fiddle how fucking loud it is. It's pretty loud. It's kind of awesome. It's Sorry, loud. Grandma. No, no. <laughs> I said it was kind of awesome. <laughs> I know, but I These still wanted to say Sorry, in Grandma. These kids goddamn fiddles. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Burn. Got my heart in and away from me. 
and I can't walk away. I won't let it be. My love is under lock and key. My love is under lock and key. My love's hidden away from me. I clap first that time, Paul. I clap first that time. You did it. I You're really the alpha male. I, I submit to you. Yep. <laughs> I submit to you in your ways. Uh, for the listener, there was a great uh, visual burn just now when Sarah played a little, a little tiny lick on the fiddle and then looked over at Matt and mouthed the words, too loud. It's not. <laughs> I liked how loud it was. You misunderstood. <laughs> Enjoyed it. I'm on love- record as being scared of violins. Yeah, well... I love how uh, the the bow is almost like an extension of your arm because I'm watching you maneuver it around the microphone without even looking and without... I just feel like anyone else would be like, clang, 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 clang. <laughs> That's kind of a bluegrass thing. Bluegrassers, uh, fiddle players, as opposed to classical, classical people mic their instruments really high up, I think, and it's, a t- it's partially a tone thing and partially because they move around a lot. But bluegrassers... Um, we're always trying to be louder, and so <laughs> we we kind of learn to play uh, with the mics almost touching the uh, the instruments. Having been on stage with you so many times, I, at, it always crosses my mind at some point: is this the time that I'm going to get stabbed in the face with the <laughs> bow? Ever, I haven't it's stabbed never you ever happened. I stabbed, I Gabe, stabbed you yet? No. Gabe, <laughs> Gabe Witcher at Largo at the old Largo once got a gnarly oh. bow. I don't. You might have been there, but it was. A solid hit in the eye. I would have remembered that. <laughs> it I, was a bow wow. Eye. It was it was yeah because that stage was so small. Yeah yeah yeah. That um, and there would be like twelve people up there <laughs> yes, sometimes. Yes. And two fiddlers and that takes up like half the stage right there because of the bow and uh, yeah he. Do he you got remember it. what song it was? I don't remember it was. No, I don't remember it. I don't even remember whose night it was because it was cause a it Tennessee was, bow eye. <laughs> it was all about a guy who takes a bow in the eye. I'd ne- yeah, I'd never had the guts to actually act it. mime it out, but I that night. <laughs> but that's you're like, you know what? The, the audience deserves a show. Yeah. Everyone was in the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> At least I was. That's really all that matters, I guess, on that one. Oh, you know who I would love to bring up now? I want to bring Kate Micucci over. Uh, would, you, would you just come sit down and chat with us for a minute? Kate, come on. Kate Micucci. Kate. Uh, the uh, Oats half of Garfunkel Oats. Right? Would you say you're Hi, the Oats half? Oh, I am. I am the Oats half. Yes, Sarah. The the records and the music is great. Thanks, Kate. I love it. Thanks. <laughs> well, I want to because I, I feel like you guys are on 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 similar paths where you're you're creating stuff that you love and you care about and and you're not really relying on traditional distribution models to to get the to get it out. So how's it how's it been for you guys as well? For for us, I mean, we just we we do it all on our own. I mean, I I mean, I guess yeah. Kate's much more into that than like she knows much more about that than I do. I still try at least to get people to <laughs> to get it the conventional way, but you guys just sort of made it happen on your own. I guess for us, we don't really want to have to um, answer to anybody. Yeah. I don't know, but I mean, but you didn't you this- actually like record a record though without anybody. Really knowing, we, like we just kind of your did managers it. Yeah. didn't know. No, we just did it. With. <laughs> like it was a secret. Do you think they would have talked you out of it or something? No, we just were like we were like we're just gonna we're just gonna keep recording songs and see what happens. And we didn't really tell anybody we were doing it. And then it was like, hey, we made a record. You what? 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 Yeah, 
which was kind of exciting. It was like a, it was like our little secret project that we were doing. Just yeah. like uh, Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that movie. They Steven Spielberg made that movie. It was a surprise. Hey, Steven, where have you Universal. been the last eighteen months? Yeah. Well, maybe you'd like to accompany me into the screening room. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's weird, but I'll allow it. I'm a judge too. <laughs> I'm a judge too. <laughs> <laughs> Just got my papers in the mail. <laughs> this is kind of a big day for me. Robe still on its way. <laughs> 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 That's why I'm in my bathrobe from home. <laughs> I'm just practicing. Just got to get a robe sense. Just got to get robe sense. Um, do you? So are do you? Are you guys touring a lot right now? Uh, Garfunkel and yeah. uh, We just kind of finished a crazy, you know, traveling a lot. But Ricky's actually doing a movie right now, and uh, so we're taking a little time off, and then we'll get back to it. But yeah, Noah, I think what is the next thing we're doing? Bonnaroo. Oh wow! Oh, that little awesome. thing. Yes. <laughs> are you doing a lot of festivals? Sarah? Are you I, doing Bonnaroo? Uh, I'm doing some. I'm not doing Bonnaroo. Um, I was, I was, I was trying to for a while, and then I d- decided to to tr- to try something else instead. That weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Bonnaroo is great. I've been there several times. Pr- have you done it, Paul? Uh, no, uh. me neither. No, not. That's saying I haven't. <laughs> 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 is the festival circuit I mean it's, it, it, it's, it's, Do you like the festival circuit As a good way to like Yeah it's great I mean the right festivals Are, are really fun And the, the best thing about festivals Is um, Besides if you get a, If you get the right time slot And a great crowd It can be It can feel really Really great And uh, But the best part Is running into people That you know And um, Like I ran into you Paul At Sasquatch <laughs> That's true, and that weird and, uh, oh, outside yeah. lands. Outside lands in oh, San Francisco. That was quite a time. That was a time. <laughs> what was that? I did. I did a set uh, at Outside Lands. Uh, that was. L- it was literally under a circus tent, um, and I was competing with the Black Keys and I think another band <laughs> whose music you could just hear just loud enough to make the whole thing uh, completely pointless. <laughs> And it was it was just terrible. It was well, like, now you being a very loud comedian. <laughs> well, you know, I love to scream and yell. Yeah, I yep. smash a lot of stuff on stage. Yep. <laughs> I always refer to Paul as the fiddle of comedians. <laughs> That's what the F stands for. <laughs> Paul Fiddle Tompkins. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. But it, but like I don't. It's one of those weird things where it was simultaneously. You did great, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I did great. Come on. It was simultaneously. Oh, people are still talking about it. Uh, it was simultaneously great and horrible to have people. I knew witness <laughs> this thing because usually like bad gigs like that you're all by yourself nobody's around and it's like okay I'm the only person that knows that happened so good <laughs> the, the, the horrible the worst part about that setup besides the fact that it was a tent in front of a really loud stage was that most of the audience was up these bleachers in the back and so and people who just wanted to come in and sit in the shade for like 10 minutes, the yeah. only like they had to walk in this big tent and go up the bleachers sit down for as long as they were as they wanted to as they were just as long as they resting. could stand it and then but like it was it's it was sort of like it was set up on the grounds as like a oh here come in here and check this out for 15 minutes 20 minutes see this comedian that yeah. you might not know and it the way that the tent was set up was just not practical for that yeah at all so well, it just looked like everyone was leaving all the time yeah. it was, it was people were like coming and going it, it really was like people were there 
to either get on board or disembark from some mode of transportation, and there wasn't one. <laughs> like, they kept going into this terminal, like, where is, is this, no, okay, let's get out of here. <laughs> so it was just constant, like a, like an anthill. <laughs> just people like were anthill. moving around all the it time. horrible. And it's like, the problem is that with a lot of these, a lot of festivals like that, that, that have done music for a long time, and then they add comedy, is that they think, oh, it's basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. You're on a stage and there's a sound system. But it really, you can't, it, it does. It's like, I, how is it for a musician? I talked about this with Rhett Miller a little bit. Mm -hmm. To to be playing songs and seeing people come and go in situations like that, because you can kind of at least it, you can re, you yes. can retreat into your own music. Kind of, yeah. I mean, you can, yeah, you can close your eyes and keep playing the song, and then just <laughs> right. try not to count how many people there after <laughs> when you open your eyes. But it's it's similarly disheartening to yeah, see people leaving, and it, I don't think it could ever feel that good. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, symp I sympathize with uh, with the tent scenario with the comedy. Just growing up in a quiet bluegrass band, like where acoustics, you know, you don't you're just relying on these microphones, and if you have three or four instruments, you're not that loud, and you're probably kind of playing quietly, and and. And so consequently, the audience is quieter because they're they need to in order to be ideally, able to hear the music. Ideally, yeah. the the audience is quieter. But if you're in a, a sim, if you're playing a stage where there's a ton of bleed, and that's the problem with a lot of these festivals, yeah, is that the there's sound just so goes out much there. noise pollution that you yeah. can't you can't. You uh, have to be have standing. You have to be like right in front experience. of the band to be hearing. Yeah, it, it's hard to have an intimate experience, and and uh, there's just there's it's difficult. <laughs> but now having seen it, you have to agree. There's something extra pathetic when a dude is just talking <laughs> and all of that is going on. It's pretty bad. It looks like I, I in, mo in, in situations like that, I've, I go outside of my body and I imagine what it looks like and it's just this this guy on stage going hey uh, everybody uh, uh, won't you listen to me uh, won't somebody uh, just uh, stop for two seconds and just listen around just hey I really need you to hear this stuff I thought of yeah. Yeah. I had we did uh, there was a comedy I don't know if they still have it there was a comedy stage at Coachella like five years ago maybe and I, I did that and it Sounds was perfect of, it was like two o'clock in the afternoon just like beaming hot sun Ugh. I'm playing the one o'clock set this weekend at Stagecoach I'm really with the same setting oh and yeah it's like it's gonna be so bad it's yeah and people do just come in to cool off so they're just mm -hmm. kind of fanning themselves and i think the weirdest one was um uh Furman and i and howard kramer and a couple of the people played the download festival in uh in northern california it was like a the download festivals you know it's in britain and then they did a version of it here and they didn't really there was a main stage and they didn't really know where to put the comedians so they put us like in the concession area there was a stage, and so it wasn't even like remotely a like it was just people just coming in to get drinks, and yeah. and it, and it was kind of like what you said. But then all of a sudden you start following them with your comedy, you're like, and then here's another crazy thing happening. Okay, okay, I was like, you know, like you're just trying to, you're just you're just fucking aiming jokes like arrows and missing a lot, just missing missing a lot. I always I was always jealous of of music because of that because I felt like at yeah. least a, at least music can sort of draw people in you know in a way yeah. and even if it doesn't you don't look like a an asshole yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, I mean you probably play at home by yourself sometimes none of us tell jokes to ourselves seriously oh i don't oh, know if i can i i might actually <laughs> what I was feel that? Like that probably happens. i feel like our funkle notes has probably had some hellish um gigs where you show up and they're like yeah the comedy's over there and you're these you know 
fun. Yeah, or, or even we once played a small room in a, uh, the House of Blues when a night of actual blues was happening. Mm -hmm. But uh, <laughs> it was very loud. And, you know, we have a ukulele and a tiny guitar. And it, But, I, you know, with Hard and Firm, too, I, I'm guessing when you have music and, and jokes are within the song, it's a little tricky when there's other music playing. Do you find that? Yeah, because you well, well, our, our our kind of stuff did because you really have to pay attention to what we're saying right. to make this. Otherwise, it's just you know a guitar and a, a an okay played melodica, and then that's it. And that's not gonna make sense. So yeah, I mean, do you do you do you want people to be you know, like hearing exactly what you're saying, or are you happy if they're just sort of absorbing the vibe of the music? No, ideally they're completely enraptured in everything that's happening on stage. <laughs> ideally, they have, there's no way that they could be distracted and that we are holding them captive. But, but there's certain things like we were uh, touring uh, the last couple of years. You, you know, you play all kinds of things. You play things that turn out to be just basically parties where you're background music. And I think <sighs> I should have an I like it's. I found myself thinking and I still kind of think this is this is true that I should have like an hour's worth of material of like Buddy Holly danceable like Buddy Holly is danceable for me and then my instrument says this is dance dance music <laughs> but like upbeat like fun recognizable songs yeah. for everybody like I should be able to entertain people of any in any environment for like an hour that would be I would be a real professional if I could yeah, but that pull we, out anything and just know, be like alright this is what yeah, this but how we deal with it we have, we have those conversations about comedy too and Paul has always been a big proponent of like just do the stuff that you love and don't worry about trying to you know mm -hmm. make every you know like don't worry about pandering yeah you know well do, I mean making your goal like to entertain absolutely everybody is like it's a crazy goal it's, right. it's just impossible but you know it's the idea that that you should be able to win over any crowd no matter what and with comedy that's just not possible because sometimes people are going to be too drunk or they're going to be or because it's such a subjective thing they're mm -hmm. not going to be into you and you can't do covers yeah. you know so it's like you're just stuck with your own dumb personality yeah <laughs> and it's like it's it's not it's here's another not, one from 1976 yeah. the seven words that can't be said on television <laughs> right wouldn't. who wouldn't <laughs> who wouldn't we both said <laughs> but but I, but with music yes it's it but would you is that more a matter of survival or do you really feel like it's incumbent upon you to be able to offer something for any situation it's both i mean it, it would make it more fun for me on stage if i could feel like i was entertaining people <laughs> true and it would make it more fun for the, like that's that's just kind of a win-win i feel like yeah and uh yeah but but also i mean there is that that feeling like I, yeah i should if i'm a professional i should be able to handle this scenario rather than play more you know, medium tempo songs. Boy, sometimes though, <laughs> sometimes though, all you can do is just at a certain point, you just, you just, you, like you say, you just kind of shut your eyes and get through it. Yeah. And then know like, well, yeah, you know, I did everything. I, I find I'm only really, I only feel like I failed in a show. It's, it's, it has some to do with the audience, but also how did I handle it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And totally. did I fold like a novice performer or did I just go, well, they're just weren't into this and that's fine and I can still have a fun show mm -hmm. and I don't have to have applause breaks and people can still have an okay time. You know, like how do you rate a successful show? Yeah, it's, it's similar. Like if you don't, if you don't let it affect you too much and you can actually have a little bit of feel a little bit of dignity with how you handled it at the end of the show. It, it's it, not asking so much, right? <laughs> just a little bit of dignity. A bit, just, just a, a little just a shred. ounce. 
That makes me wonder, um, because for for a comedian, what we do, like the the how well I perform is so tied up with how the audience responds. Mm-hmm. That's how I know that I did a good yeah. job. I mean, you, you can walk away from a bad show and say, I tried my best, but I didn't win these people over. But there could still be a night for a musician where maybe if the crowd is not that into it, can you still feel like I really, I was really good tonight. Yep. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's still a little bit of satisfaction in being like, okay, we finally hit that part. Right. We finally, the difference didn't. for comedians though, is that you walk away from it saying I'm still good in theory. <laughs> <laughs> no, but don't Like you- the idea of me doing comedy is still sound. When you're forming, when, <laughs> when you're forming a joke though, or a, a, a plot or a story, whatever, like, and you feel like you're still figuring it out and you're still finding the points that you want to hit. Do you ever feel like I finally timed it right? And they did, they just, they just didn't get it. I mean, obviously you can always yes. blame the audience, but like, do you Absolutely. ever, you can feel like that, right? Like that well, you made progress in a certain way. Not with a, not with a bad show. I no. have, I have felt it where I've, I, I know that exact feeling of, Oh, it all fell into place tonight. This thing that I've been working on for a while. It finally all came out the way that I wanted it to come out. The perfect phrasing and you know, all that. Yeah. But I don't know that I've ever had that happen at a show where people were not into what I was saying. Interesting. You know, because that, that feeds you, it helps as you. A, yeah, 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 yeah. Because you have the you have the confidence of oh, okay, they're with me. Gives you the confidence you need to succeed. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that rhymes, oh. Marge, and you know Airport it rhymes. Marriott. I feel like that's a deodorant line or There's something. There's this video, this DVD <laughs> I of. I think you're right. Like degree or something. They should. Oh, it might be degree. I think it might be. Andy Persberg. What's your video? No, there's a DVD Sorry. of uh, Steve Ray Vaughan playing at this jazz festival in Sweden, and uh, they're just expecting jazz, and he starts playing fucking crazy Steve Rayvon blues and they're booing him. Like, oh my god. Booing him and he just goes at it and by the end of the show half the audience is gone but the people who are there are standing up like in, just enthralled with Steve Rayvon and that's the kind of thing I don't think you can beat people over the head with comedy unless you're Bill Burr. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can. Yeah, yeah Bill, Bill, can. Bill, Bill can do that. <laughs> but how do, how do you guys feel about it? Uh, well I mean with, with the song it's kind of the same like you know, if it's not going well, we're not going to stop the song halfway through. <laughs> yeah. you know, we got to keep going no matter what. And so, I mean, there's almost even some sort of safety in that. Like, well, we played the song rather than, you know, like. At it, least, you know, time will be killed. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I this wonder, will advance us another three minutes into the future and then eventually we'll be done. Do you ever so, choose the long songs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's just get out of here. But listen, yeah, like three songs would get. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I mean, but with with with. Jokes. I mean, do you got, you can stop. You can you can switch. You can, your, you can make hard left yeah, and right turns exactly. with stand up, but having the experience with hard and firm, it's like their songs are basically sketches, and you have to unless it's it's. I don't think we've ever just stopped and been like, all right, let's all just agree that this didn't go well. <laughs> and we'll leave. Um, but I've you know, totally we, have you really? Yeah, we've done that. Really? What happened? Not lately, but yeah. In Nickel Creek, we would do it a couple times. Where it was just it was some song that we just. We, we would have a really hard time with. I think we did it with like Eveline or something or or uh, some song that was really challenging or we just we couldn't figure it out and we went for it and then or like the tuning was just so bad and something else was wrong. We're just like, never mind. We're just not going to do this. We're, and we'll it's, do that, something it's that moment in your brain where everyone's going to be a lot better off. You're if like, we just maybe I can here. save it. Maybe I can save it. And then it nope. just tips and you're like, it's gone. Yeah. I've lost it. And when there's three of you on like, like Kate, you can probably like, you're always kind of negotiating. Like, are we going for this or are we not? <laughs> yeah. You're kind of looking at each other. Like if you stop, I'm not going to scream. <laughs> we, we were nervous because uh, uh, Ricky 
Ricky and I uh, opened for you guys, when was it, a couple months ago for the Watkins Family uh-huh. Hour? Was it? And, yeah. and, uh, and we didn't know how your audience would handle our material. That's always a question. Um, but, and so I was kind of like, oh gosh, I hope. But, you know, it was one of those, like, we walked away. Well, they didn't, I think they were listening. You know, like, like, they loved like, you. They? They, were <laughs> they totally loved you. <laughs> I, it, it's, it's hard because, you, you know, it's a different crowd and not everybody appreciates, you know. Um, well, the Watkins Family Hour is, 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 pretty clean yeah and it started out that way and now we just kind of feel like we should just continue well it was so nice and of you so to our audience is not expecting dick sp- jokes hand yeah. jobs yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't do the hand job rap we, we tried to be as uh, as clean as possible it's <laughs> <But laughs> possible so there were there were a couple swear words but nothing crazy but um <laughs> yeah it was great yeah that was fun but i think with us too like uh we are pretty loose like uh you know a pick gets dropped and you know 10 seconds will go by and we'll talk and then we'll pick up where we left off, you know, things like that. Well, and, and with comedy, though, you also have the safety net of, because Furman and I had like 60% of our show, something went wrong. Technologically, <laughs> we're literally like something would happen. A guitar would go out, a mic would go out. You know, we would play along with the video screen. I accidentally kicked the plug out of the projector once and we just had to start over, which meant we had to go back to the beginning of the disc <laughs> oh, and no. just like fast forward through like, well, you guys are familiar with this part already. And, but, but we have the safety net of being able to, to like just play it off as, well, it's a comedy and we're fucking around. Yeah. Do, you, do you use that at all or are you, are you kind of... Or, or? Well, it depends on the, the setting. Like sometimes if it seems like... A, if it seems like the kind of show where, or the kind of venue where people are um, kind of, they don't really care. They're, they're just there to have a good time and they trust you and they're along for the ride, then you can do anything like that. But do you if, know what? I'm, go ahead. I was just gonna, like, sometimes you play art centers where everyone's just sitting on their hands all night and they just kind of want to sit there and be entertained. And I hate art people. <laughs> <laughs> the, I think the big difference, uh, one, uh, a big difference is that, because um, I've seen musicians do that where they will. You know, it's like an old song of theirs that they don't remember the words to anymore, yeah. and they like start it and like ah, I can't remember, and they stop, and everybody's like, "That's the greatest." Um, but <laughs> he doesn't with remember the, the thing he wrote. Yeah, with the, because the audience by and large is saying, "Well, I can't do what that person can do, so anything that this person does, anything this person says goes." But if you're watching comedy, everybody <laughs> thinks they're funny. <laughs> Everybody, there's a there's a good percentage of the crowd that might be thinking, I'm funnier than this dude. People are the worst. I should get up there. <laughs> don't say that. I wonder. I'm sorry to all those people out there. <laughs> people listen to this. I'm sorry. It, did, when did you, I mean, because obviously, obviously, you know, there's a certain amount of, of charisma and personality when you see a band live. It's not just about being technically proficient. Yeah. So what, you know, obviously you started at a young age, so you were used to performing for people, but do you, you know, how do you feel you've grown as a, a performer and how, you know, how open are you on stage just as a personality? Uh, it depends on the night. Sometimes I don't feel like having any kind of personality and we'll just play a lot of songs back to back to back as much as possible um, until there's some kind of stride that's hit. And, 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 uh, and sometimes it's just really open the whole night and, there'll be a dialogue with the audience mm-hmm. and and it just it depends it's it's fun to play a variety of different of, of venues where the audience brings something different every night where um they're coming to see us right now if we're playing our own show so that's that's nice like you that's that's enough of a of a guarantee that they'll be paying a little bit of attention and then from there you're thinking like okay so are they are they here because 
they this is just what they do on once a month or are they here because they want to drink and or are they here because they just want to have a good time and they know my material and that really dictates the the feel of the show more than anything do you and play a lot of venues where people are sitting down or you play venues yeah, where people are standing a lot up? of sit down venues my favorites are the one where well they'll be standing on the bottom and maybe a, a balcony up top where people can sit down because you know not everyone likes to stand all night and and but it's fun to have the energy of people right up close and to see them being excited rather than a big empty you know six to 15 feet before the mm -hmm. chairs start and it's just a, like a vacuum for energy. It just, it's, it, it sucks. But, um, oh, what was I going to say? I was going to say something. I'll say it later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did a show once um, at, a, at a record store. Um, and it was like in the back room of a record store, or no, it was not the back room of a <laughs> back room of a record store. Oh, it was a, it was a show for four people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Everyone sat on the record stack. <laughs> That's right. Um, it was uh, they just did a show in this record store, and and uh, there was no real stage. There was a mic, and there were no chairs or anything. So people were. We were all at the same the level. same level. Oh, yes. yes. It was the weirdest. I'd never experienced this before where <laughs> I'm just standing there. And it was like I was, I felt like either I was rallying these people. people, people. to go. We're going to go kill a monster. <laughs> or these people are going to murder me. Like any moment now, they're just going like, right. to rush at me and tear me like limb from limb. you're just barely holding them off. Yeah, like, hold on a second. Hold on. You, don't, you don't understand. I, I didn't steal that. I just found it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, why are you holding that microphone? <laughs> Gosh, I can't imagine doing comedy without a microphone that would that's just a total no there was a microphone you had a mic okay. yeah and that that was the only thing that, that was that separating prevented you? me from running away <laughs> because like oh this makes it a show and not just a weird mob that i'm addressing mm. do you uh do you have another can you play something else yes 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 what do you want to play well i want to i want to um i want i know what song i want to end with okay should i do that one now or should i do no, another no, no. one first do another one first okay uh, let's do the we'll do a fiddle we'll do a fiddle tune this is the first song on the record okay um, and uh, yeah it's called uh, it's called The Foothills Awesome. 
That's very new, new technology for we'll us. We'll take your word for it, Chris. We couldn't hear the loop. Well, I have headphones on, Matt. Oh. Please don't trip and fall. Every time you run over there in those shoes, I'm like, she's gonna spill. It's not the shoes. It just it. It's it. Sometimes it just happens, no matter what with me. No matter what shoes I'm wearing. Are you a klutzy gal? I'm a little, yeah. Yeah, I fall sometimes. <laughs> but then you Aww. pick yourself right back up. I try. And, and isn't both that what your, life is? Both your eardrums are punctured, right? <laughs> so it affects your balance? That's right. That's right, Paul. Because Gabe, Gabe got his revenge. <laughs> a Boeing accident. You actually, because you can go, That's I don't right. know if you guys ever saw the Three Stooges, you can go yeah. in one ear That's with right. a bow yeah. and then come directly out right the other ear. That's right. Mm-hmm. So thereby damaging both Earthly eardrums too, yeah. simultaneously, or arrow, mm-hmm. or the arrow through the head, or the arrow through the head. Just thanks the Three Stooges, <laughs> Three Stooges movie. Yeah. The Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler: They're bad plumbers. How? <laughs> they are. I don't know why they keep getting work. They, uh, how are you, are you pretty, are you hard on yourself? Are you pretty hard on yourself? I don't think so. Oh, good. Well, you just said you were anxious, like you had some anxiety and so I just thought. Well, no, I don't think I'm hard on myself. Sometimes. Should you be? Probably. I I could be a lot harder on myself. You're right. I'm not hard enough on myself. Jeez. Uh, no, I mean, it's sometimes, um, uh, I, I just, the, the more things that I do, the the less anxious I get. Like the the more that I realize, oh yeah, I can I can do this, I, and I don't die, and it's fine. Then <laughs> yeah. I get less anxious. Because you you seemed you know when when we when we had lunch and you were like yeah I turned thirty like we sort of what we talked about earlier you really kind of embraced it was almost like you felt I loved it I loved turning thirty it was awesome like, great I don't have to I just I don't know it's just all this stuff from my twenties I don't have to worry about it anymore I feel like yeah. Bygones. Are you okay with getting older? Yeah, so far so good. Oh, I'm gonna hate it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's gonna. I'm sure I'm not gonna like it. People, you know, when people I can't who, walk and everything. Yeah, but people who look young always are fine with getting older. No, yeah. it's not. It's, I don't know. I think I'm okay with with. You know, I'm probably not gonna like it when I when I look in the mirror and feel like I see a you know like a, a turtle or something. But I feel like. <laughs> Well, that's probably a sign that you've had a stroke. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe that's, I don't know if that's... Which, is, that, is that one of the signs of a stroke? If you, you smell mirror, toast you and see a turtle. turtle. <laughs> Quick, look in the mirror. What do you see there? <laughs> it's a turtle. Oh, my God, Cole. <laughs> Go take an aspirin right now. Already. It's too late. It's a giraffe. You're fine. <laughs> no, no, guys, it's okay. It's okay. I put a terrarium in the bathroom. <laughs> Why would you do that? It's not a stroke turtle. <laughs> in the end, the stroke turtle comes for us all. <laughs> I think that was uh, turtle, a Kansas turtle. song, right? That's right. Yeah, that was a song. Played over Kansas. the credits of uh, No Country for Old Men. <laughs> <laughs> big themes, big themes. <laughs> I, uh, I always how, like. How do you feel about getting old? I, I don't love it. I mean, I don't think any. I mean, I just you know, it, it is. It it's is the a, most honest you've ever been on this podcast. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> you hate it. Way to interrupt the moment. Though. I don't. Well, I don't. Listen, it it it's it feels weird, you know? Like it does feel weird because you have these ideas in your head about, you know, what it means to be, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old. We look at our parents and the generation before that. Everyone just looked old. Yeah. yeah. And then and then you kind of look at yourself in the mirror and you go, "Well, I'm that age where everyone looked old to me when I'm younger, but I don't see it." So, I must just maybe they don't see it either. Like maybe that's just part of it. I think part of it is for me is just like I've got a bunch of great friends and 
I've got a great. <laughs> somebody, somebody here watching feels like they're a friend of mine, apparently. <laughs> um, and like, I, I've got a great family, and I feel like I just don't have to. I don't feel obligated to question everything that I think anymore. So while I don't feel like I'm the most opinionated person in the world, I'm just a little bit more comfortable with with my thought process as my thoughts process and just feeling like, oh, I'm a person and here I go. And when you're making... <laughs> it's just when, a lot more simple than it used to be. And when you made this album, were you were you saying like, well, I really should probably do more of this kind of thing because I wanted to appeal to this or did you just literally say I'm going to do this? These are this exactly- was it. This was it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't want to make it with anybody besides Blake Mills. I, I knew that like this is the right guy. I didn't have anybody else in mind and then I met him and I was like, this makes sense. Let's do this. And he was into it and he had it, the schedule and so we just did it and, and uh, it was a pretty easy process by and large and, um, and uh, it was fast too which was really nice we made the whole thing in three or four weeks and oh, wow. and um just knocked it out and that was just in january so the whole process it comes out may 8th and that that's a pretty quick turnaround for for records anyway so and it's nice to keep the momentum going can you when you're recording can do you have a producer's brain or do you do you just kind of stand back be the artist and let him sort of it cha- it's, it depends on the on the producer this time there was a a lot of um he was definitely a hands-on producer, um, and he he played m- a lot of the instruments on the record, and so a lot of it was Jesus. me f- sitting back and while he finished his idea and then weighing in my opinions, um, but letting him what a showboat. Letting so you produced his record. No, I mean like <laughs> like that's <laughs> basically uh, no, but that that's just trying to figure out the balance of like how to how how to let the people that you're working with do their thing and not interfere with it too much because obviously we wanted to work together I wanted to work with him and so there's a little bit the first couple weeks of figuring out how to uh, not dance around each other too much how to be honest and just and just uh, get down to work and and uh, we fell into a a rhythm pretty quickly and um, he works really fast and the engineer Sean Everett is amazing and uh, they're a great team together. It's hard not to micromanage sometimes, though, especially... Yeah. I mean, because ultimately, it's your face on the album, and it's your voice, and Absolutely. it's your name. And so, you know, how do you know when, if he's kind of pushing you in one direction, and that, and then just in your gut, you're like, oh, I don't know. How, like, when, at what point do you just trust him and go, all right, fuck it, I guess he knows what he's talking sometimes, about. Sometimes, a lot, sometimes I would say I'm really uncomfortable with this, but again, like, I... I came to. I wanted to collaborate. I didn't want everything to be comfortable with my brain, or else I would have just made the record by myself, you know. And so a lot of it is letting things develop and, until I decide, like, okay, no, this is this is actually really great, and I never would have come up with it, and I'm really glad it's there. And other times, I would feel like that I don't identify with this at all. It's nothing that I care about. Let's go back to square one, and we would do that. You you must have that. I mean, you 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 are a duo. So you sort of have a 50-50 uh, thing going. Yeah, yeah. I think it's always surprising, though, how how on the same page we are. We'll be like, usually uh, make it sound more 80s, where's the Richard Marks piano? Things like that. <laughs> Things yeah. of that nature. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, there'll be times where we have to, you know, figure it out. But, uh, well, well, Mike Furman produced a lot of our record. Yeah. And so, you know, there were three of us, so usually we'd figure it out between the three of us if there was a question. But it was pretty... 
we pretty much kind of had an idea of what we wanted to do. Yeah. Well, yeah, it just, you know, it's because people sort of, you know, people, there's frequencies and people are sort of like sine waves and a lot of, mm-hmm. sometimes you're in phase and other times you're not. And I, you know, I'm, I'm always interested to find out how, at what, because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that when, you know, when we're making stuff, whatever it is, I don't know everything. And so it's, mm-hmm. you know, so there's a little bit of leap of faith, like, well, yeah. that guy probably knows what he's talking about, but. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like the, the, the nice thing about recording is you can go with an, you can indulge somebody and then if you know you live with that for a couple of days and you still don't like it then you can you can revisit it it's it's mm-hmm. it you you're never in danger it, like the way we made the record we were overdubbing a lot of things so we weren't in danger of guessing wrong and then being stuck with it which is the worst that is that's like my ultimate fear of just like all right let's just try this and go with it and then you have to tour behind it for three years and you end up not identifying with it after the moment of recording it and that just sounds like such a rotten way to spend your time oh oh, what if you could you ever i mean this is sort of like a luxury problem if you had just an accidental hit song that you hate, that you didn't really like, but yeah. you're like, ah, fuck it. And then all of a sudden it becomes a hit song. How do you deal? How, like, what's the, what do you, how do you deal with that? It's, you know, it's a nice problem to have. You really. cry into your money, Chris. Ultimately, well, it's yeah, your you fault can, for you, recording it. You can cry into your money for a little while, but for the rest of your career, yeah. people are always going to want you to play that song. And, and then the money doesn't make it better forever. Unless it you're might- Bobby McFerrin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the whole that whole song though is really advice in itself. Ooh, that's true. So sometimes he could listen to it while he's singing. Yeah. <laughs> I hate this song. Wait himself. a minute. <laughs> listen to his song. Then he had that hit fifth season of Cosby Show theme. <laughs> <laughs> but I would imagine it's even if there's a, a song that you do like, that there could be there could be a time where you're like, man, I would love to never play this song again, but I have to because people expect me to play it. Well, that's what that's that, what happens when famous musicians play, but then people are like, you didn't play any of the hits, and they were like, because I just couldn't stand to hear myself. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I would imagine that the longer your career goes the more of a journey you go on with that material uh, because you're you're just building uh more and more um you're adding more and more to your canon and it's got to be you have um there's peaks and valleys with any Mm -hmm. piece of music that um i'm sure there might be times for you that there might be a song that you know you've played for years that you might feel like i i can't I got to step away from that one for a while. Yeah. I just can't. And ideally you have something you can, you can sub in or something, yeah. but like John Hartford is a really, he's a legendary folk and, and bluegrass musician. He used to say like, play one for them. What, what was it? Like two, two for them, one for me. Mm-hmm. And, and, Seems uh, fair. Right, you know? it's a short concert. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh, three songs, Hartman. <laughs> <laughs> Never played more than three songs. But, <laughs> But I mean, like, could always be sure that one was for him, though. Yeah. <laughs> Never did care for that last song. <laughs> Wasn't for you, Matt. This last song is entitled "I Got Your Money." <laughs> Ultimately, you don't have to play the songs you don't want to if you want to make people mad. Yeah, you just have to decide whether you'd rather make people mad. And you satisfy also, yourself. You, you're never going to please wanna, everybody because yeah. it's like you know, uh, there's always I would see you know um, message boards of of bands that I liked where people talk about a concert that I had just seen and then people saying uh, he didn't play this song or she didn't play that song and there's always and this is a concert that was like two hours long where so much material was covered from from every phase of this person's career and it's still not enough because they didn't hear the one song they wanted to hear and in a very 
proprietary way. Like, I this is absurd to me that this song was not played. And why did I even bother going to that show? You know, <laughs> so you you kind of you just you you know it's back to that that same thing of like you're not you're not going to get everybody at the same time. And that's one nice thing about not being a, a person who is expected to be successful on the radio. Like, mm-hmm. generally, people listen to a selection of songs on the record. And there might be one that stands out to most people, but uh, you're not, you don't feel like you're risking your career if you just don't play it one night, you know? Yeah. Because by and large, they're probably listening to more than one song. And when you get played on the radio a lot, um, there was a time when Nickel Creek, we had a, a couple songs played on country music television, CMT, and there was this one song, When You Come Back Down, that uh, people would people would come and country music fans were coming for a while and they were very particular about wanting to hear that song when they wanted to hear it mm-hmm. and they were very vocal about it and we started to to realize that that wasn't really for us and and kind of um stopped stop, eventually kind of peeled away from that market and wow. and tried to uh we realized we could move because our our other fans who weren't country fans were getting mad so there were like the cowboy hat people who were getting yelled at by our quiet fans who would who would be just shushing them and, and getting mad at them and there were they were kind of so almost almost fights breaking out. I want one. I want. I want it now. Well, I'm I mean, learned. like it's a radio the audience thing. Guy would it's say. a radio thing. Yeah. <laughs> so they're just they're just <laughs> calling out for the song over and, over and over and over again. That's what they want to hear. Yeah. Uh, this is this gets to another thing is that I can't stand it and ruins seeing live music for me. Uh, uh, the the constant calling out of songs. I, I would see Mike Doty at the El Rey, mm-hmm. and uh, I I I had never seen him live before. And people, as soon as the song is over, people are screaming requests mm-hmm. at this guy, and it's it was insane after every single song. And it's like, what? I don't understand. What? what? Oh, because you're not, he clearly you're not, you're not performing, and people aren't like elegant balloons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it, clearly it was not like he wasn't up there going, I, I don't know, guys. What do you think? What what should happen now? <laughs> you know, like he clearly, like obviously there's a set list, and he's going to play the songs that he's going to play. Maybe he'll take a request, but like just the idea that pe- uh, the entire audience is going to scream suggestions. But I think I, because I think there's a certain element of when people go to a live show, they have no control over how the performance is when they're just listening to their mp3 player or whatever and but when they go to a show there's a little bit of element of ah i'm going to be a puppeteer like they want to control the experience a little bit but don't they have more control when they're listening on an mp3 player they can hear whatever song they want to hear but they and now they're having a different experience it's happening in real life like I went to see Elvis Costello and somebody yelled out Allison. <laughs> Do you really think he's not gonna get to it? We, we, and even if he doesn't, great. He's got a million songs. Like the first hit, like I don't know. So he kind of peaked at Allison, and then it was downhill after that. Uh, no, it was at the Kodak. That is that's pretty ridiculous. But I bet it happened at the Will Turn yeah, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. R- Ricky and I were playing a show once, and I, this started to happen. I think we were deciding between two songs, and people started screaming. And then one guy, louder than everybody, just went, "Play your set list." And <laughs> it was wow. kind of the best heckle ever. And then we just did. That's amazing. Yeah, was, that's amazing. Like, I choose that request. Yeah. <laughs> Kate, that person was me. Thanks, Paul. Thank You're you welcome. so much. Paul's trying to even the score. I'm going to every concert, no matter what it is. <laughs> He's really trying to make up for clapping early. 
That's right. <laughs> That's right. It's my punishment. Like Marley's ghost, I have to walk the earth, yelling, "Play your set list." You are you Honest- about? Are you going to tour soon? Uh, yes. I'm going on tour with Dawes, opening for Dawes in June, and uh, and then opening for Jackson Brown in July, half July through. He played on the August. album as well, right? Yeah, he, well, he sang, yeah. Wow. There was the... They um, put him in a gang vocal. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear him poking out. <laughs> you just brought him up a little bit. Yeah. Well, there was one, um, after we did this show together at Largo, it was the Ed Helms Bluegrass situation, mm-hmm. right? And then afterwards, the after show was in the little room at Largo, mm-hmm. and it was you and Sean, and then and then Ed playing banjo, and then friggin' Jackson Brown just jumps up on stage. Yeah. It was, it He's was good like that. mind-blowing. <laughs> He's pretty great. He's pretty great. His vo- the tone of his voice is just so rich, and it's just better, better than ever, I feel like. And for the record, I should say, going back to the last point, I would be honored if anybody shouted out any requests at my shows. Because <laughs> I'm at the point where I'm like, you know a song! Right. <laughs> Play so, that Nickel Creek song! Yeah. Little Cowpoke! <laughs> How come y'all don't look like kids anymore? <laughs> I can just understand. <laughs> just requesting. <laughs> look like kids! Look like Put them braids in your hair. <laughs> Look like kids. Come on. I paid my money, and this motherfucker doesn't have the decency to be 16 no more. What the shit? What the shit? Well, uh, we're about at the end of the podcast. Um, the album is called Sun, Midnight Sun. It comes out May 8th. And you're going to be touring. Are you touring all over? Where, where are you yeah, going? Yeah, well, yeah, most of the states. Just all of those places. Okay. Yeah, over the states. Uh, there's uh, hopefully in the West Coast in the, the fall, but we'll be mostly in the uh, Midwest and East Coast. SarahWatkins.com. No H. Hmm. SarahWatkins. Uh, at SarahWatkins on Twitter. Nice one. Thank you. Still no H. Still no H. <laughs> you didn't want to pick up an H for Twitter? Yeah. All right. <laughs> it was probably like a taken. Free character. How could you know? Not even Watkins. W H A T. That would have been better. <laughs> uh, that just confused people. Watkins. But uh, you offered to play a very special song at the end of the podcast. Yes, we did. Which uh, I am super, super, super excited about. I've never seen anyone cover this song live. <laughs> we will do our best with our, our three instruments. Uh, this was this instrument. This song was. Um, a little bit more challenging to learn than we had imagined uh, when we when we first uh, signed on for this, and it was really fun to figure it out. Actually, we we have played it together a couple of times, uh, but mostly just separately. So here here we will we will go uh, now. It's by Screwdriver. <laughs> uh, okay. Ha, ha, ha.
Sarah Watkins, uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being here, Sarah Watkins. Um, please, a uh, huge hand yes. from our tiny audience uh, tonight. Sarah Watkins, Sean Watkins. Taylor, what was Taylor's last name? Tyler Chester. Well, I'm going to go with Taylor. Um, I'm going to go with Tyler Taylor, uh, if that's all right with you. Soldier Chester. <laughs> Tyler Chester. Got to be quick. Got to be quick. Got to do it. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited Thanks about your album. Us. And I am always uh, pleased to see you doing well and making fun things. I'm a huge fan. So let me just uh, slobber all over your ego, if that's all right, for a second. Perfectly and thank fine. you so much for coming on. Uh, enjoy your burrito, everyone. Now no one say anything. Thank you. What? I don't... Was that for... That's how we Are we getting burritos? I say thank you. Yeah, yeah we're, we're getting fucking getting crazy burritos. Okay, sweet. Yeah. All right, cool. I don't know how to stop this now. Well, thanks, Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> Jonah didn't say a word this entire <laughs> podcast. Very well behaved. The part of Jonah was played by Kate Micucci. <laughs> I had it was Paul. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, too, Kate Micucci. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shout from the back. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode is brought to you in part by Purina. Purina is dedicated to creating richer lives for pets and the people who love them. From helping older pets think like their younger selves to making cat ownership a possibility for more people than ever, Purina is helping pets thrive so they can live long, healthy, and happy lives. Purina has you covered for all your furry friends' needs, whether they meow or bark. From litter to treats to their best-in-class, nutrient-packed food with taste your pets will love, Purina's got your back at every stage of your pet's life. Your pet gives you the joy of the spring sunshine all year round. So today and every day, care for your pet with Purina. Your pet is Purina's passion. To learn more, head to Amazon.com backslash Purina.